You are listening to the Fur Road Christian Church Podcast. Our mission is to love God and love people. For more information about Fur Road, visit furroadcc.org. That is F-I-R-R-O-A-D-C-C dot org. Now for this week's message. Hey, good morning. As always, we're, we're glad that you've joined us. Hope you've had a good week, uh, but if you've had a bad week, just want you to know it probably could be worse. For example, you could be one of the one in 6,500 Americans who are injured by a toilet seat in their lifetime. Okay, not sure if I would ask people specifically if that happened, but you could be that. Um, you could be one of the 17 people electrocuted by hair dryers every year. Okay, that could that'd be a bad week, right? You could be one of the 5,000 people who injure themselves playing pool this year. Okay, that's a rough game of pool. Um, you could be one of the 200,000 people who are seriously injured in the bathroom each year. That's a dangerous place. You might be one of the 300 Americans killed by lightning every year. Okay, so there you go. Don't you feel so much better about yourself now in your week? So I'm here for you guys anytime. Okay, so after our, our two-week series called Four, where we looked at what God is for and, and what we should be for, um, in fact, I would I'd encourage you to go back and watch or listen to those messages if you miss them. But today we're continuing our study through the book of Mark called Urgent. Uh, we are urgently seeking to get to know Jesus better. We, we looked at Mark 1 through 3, if you remember, then we skipped ahead to Mark 14 through 16 leading up to Easter. Now we're heading back to Mark 4. So I'll just kind of catch you up on things. Today we introduce a kind of teaching that Jesus used called parables. Uh, what's a parable? It's a story, okay, plain and simple. We, we all perk up when we hear stories, and Jesus was a good storyteller, okay? Now, in, in the stories that Jesus told, he would use everyday, ordinary examples, things that everyone could relate to. However, the meaning of the story wasn't always so basic and easy to understand. There was a spiritual meaning to the stories, and not everyone was going to get it, and, and that was on purpose, and, and we'll talk about that. Uh, the Gospel of Luke contained 24 parables, or it contains, Matthew has 23 parables, Mark just eight, uh, but that's a Mark style, right? Brief and to the point, wants to give you the information that you need to know to, to be able to know Jesus. Uh, in chapter four, we have four of the eight parables that are given in Mark, and so here's the setting to start off with. In verse one, you see it. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. And so Jesus borrows a boat, uh, goes out into the water. Uh, this would have been the Sea of Galilee. Uh, this is you know, smart, you know, because the water provides a natural, natural amphitheater for him to be heard and, and the people could gather on the side and, and uh, sound travels well on the water. And so that's the setting. He sits down to teach, which would have been the normal teaching position for a rabbi. And by this point, huge crowds had started following Jesus. People were, were fascinated by this man. People were drawn to him. But the truth is that they, they're still trying to figure out who he was. Okay, Was he the Messiah they've been waiting for? Was he just a, a miracle worker? Or maybe he's a prophet or, or just a, a good teacher? Maybe he was a big fake or a hoax, and they just need to figure this out. But they were, they were drawn to him, 
and he starts talking in these parables. And I'm going to start by skipping down to verse 21 to the, the second parable in chapter 4 because I think it gives us some good clues about what Jesus was, was doing. Uh, usually your Bibles refer to the parable, this, this one we're looking at, as a, a lamp on a stand. And so let's read that in verse 21. Then Jesus asked them, Would anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket or under a bed? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine. For everything that is hidden will, hidden will eventually be brought into the open, and every secret, secret will be brought to light. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given, and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Okay, uh, so think about this. Why, why do we turn lights on? Uh, obviously to light up a room, right? So to, to push away the darkness so you can see. You know, some of you like really bright rooms. Uh, Holly, my wife, likes it really bright. She likes all the lights on. Some of you prefer it a little darker. Um, you don't like the bright lights. Um, maybe you just have the, the TV on at nighttime. Uh, I give Jordan a hard time because he sits in his office with not very many lights on each week. Um, but these guys could fully relate to, to what Jesus was talking about. And so everyone would light a light if they need to see at night. Uh, here we have a, just a candle just to illustrate this. And so w when they would light a light or, or a lamp, you know, they didn't do this and say, okay, I'm going to take that. I'm going to cover it up. Right? You know, what would the point of that be? It would make no sense. Okay? So if they lit a lamp, they would want it to burn as brightly as possible. So, And so... We think about this illustration, it's a, it's a practical thing, everybody can resonate with it, but obviously he isn't actually talking about a lamp here, or a light, okay? Uh, he says the, the light brings things out into the open, so uh, what's meant to be brought out in the open? Oh, I don't think we have to get too complicated about this, he's talking about his teachings, and, and specifically he's been talking a lot about the kingdom of God. And if you w want to truly hear and understand what I'm teaching, he's saying, you need to listen. You need to let it sink in. You need to pay attention. The closer you listen, the more it's going to make sense to you. Most of the people didn't have hearts that were truly ready to listen to Jesus. It's just more of a curiosity thing. And so here's why it is so hard for most of the people, I think. Th this kingdom that Jesus is ushering in was a different kind of kingdom. Okay, it's not the kind of the kingdom they were used to. It's not what they were expecting. You know, remember how Jesus often says that the first shall be last and, and the last shall be first? You know, he's, he's turning everything they knew upside down. His kingdom is about serving, not being served. And he's saying, hey, you know, here, if you, if you aren't really listening to me, you aren't going to understand a single thing. This is going to make no sense to, do, sense to you at all. If your heart is hardened at all, none of this is going to make any sense. Okay, so let's go back now to the, the beginning of the chapter. The, the first parable is referred to as the parable of the sower. And, and I'm not going to read the whole story right now. It's a pretty familiar story to most of us. Let me just kind of set the stage. We have four kinds of soils in this story. 
uh, seeds are, are planted or scattered on each soil type. The, the, there's the seed thrown on a path, a hard path. Um, of course, the seeds don't take root. They're just eaten quickly by the birds. Uh, there's the rocky soil where there's not much soil. It's mostly rocks. Uh, they, the seeds can grow quickly, but they, they die out because there's no roots. Pretty much like all the soil in my yard, actually. Um, there's the thorny soil. Uh, the seeds started growing, but, but they end up getting choked out by the weeds. And, and the weeds are pretty much what grows in my yard. That my yard's really good at that. Uh, and then there's the good soil. And it grew and produced a really good crop. But, and it could produce a, a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was originally sown. And, and so obviously, this is a farming parable. Uh, which would make sense because it was something a lot of this audience could relate to. A lot of them would have been subsistence farmers. Uh, many of them just, they were very poor. In, in fact, it's thought that in this area at this time period, about 2% of the population had 95% of the wealth. And so they could relate to the story, but that didn't mean they understood what he was saying. But this would have sounded really amazing for a farmer to, to get this much out of his crops, 30, 60, or, or 100 times. That, that would have not have been a normal thing. And, and so they would have been thinking, yeah, I, I want that kind of crop. That's amazing. Verse 9, he ended the parable with this. Then Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. What? So what's this about? Um, this, this phrase isn't just saying, hey, listen up. Um, it's actually saying more that, that people haven't been listening up. Okay, here's similar language from when the Israelites were exiled in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 12, verse 2. It says, Son of man, you are living among a rebellious people. They have eyes to see, but do not see, and ears to hear, but do not hear, for they are re a rebellious people. Okay, sound familiar? This is the same type of language that Jesus is using. Uh, these are actually words that are, are referring to the rebellion of the people and, and their, their failure uh, to truly follow God. They had hardened their hearts to God's teachings. And it's the same way with the people that Jesus is talking to now. Okay, in our story, they, they had hardened hearts. They didn't really want to hear the truth, most of them. Now, the closest disciples of Jesus, the, the inner 12 did have an openness to understanding Jesus, okay? They're, they're slow to get it, and it took a long time, but they wanted to get it. They, they wanted to understand. Let, let's read about that in verse 10 through 12. It says, when he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seen, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding, Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Now, this seems like a, a really strange thing for Jesus to say, doesn't it? Okay, it, it makes it sound like, well, Jesus doesn't really want them to for, be forgiven. It's like he's saying, you know, I don't want them to really understand what I'm saying because they might actually follow me, and, and, and I don't want that to happen. That does make sense. So first of all, w we need to keep in mind, when you read something like this, what does the rest of Scripture seem to say? Do the rest of Jesus' teachings make it sound like he, he didn't want people to follow him? No. And, and the teachings, other than directly from Jesus in the New Testament, do they make it sound like God doesn't want to forgive everyone? Okay, no. 
All right, so, so something else must be going on here. It, you know, we can get ourselves into trouble when we kind of cherry pick passages of Scripture. Y- you can find a verse in the Bible and, and really kind of make it say uh, anything you want it to. And people do that a lot today. Um, and when you do that, you end up with beliefs that just happen to match up perfectly with how you personally feel and, and usually how culture at the time feels. Uh, but the truth is that how you personally feel doesn't actually matter when it comes to the truth of the Bible. Okay, God's truth is not dependent on my personal feelings. You know, we do this with, with people too. You know, we hear a rumor about someone and, and we automatically believe that rumor even though it doesn't match what we know about that person. You know, I, I heard this about so-and-so and, and so-and-so did this and, and it starts to get passed around and, and it changes a little bit with each time the, the story is told and we, we, did, we don't take time to get to the truth of the situation. Jesus actually is quoting from Isaiah 6 in, in verses 11 and 12 when, when Isaiah was given his commission by God and, and God was telling Isaiah how stubborn the hearts had become of the people. And so the people had, had actually chosen to turn away from God even though they knew the consequences. And I think it's the same here. Jesus had been teaching them. He's been performing miracles. Yet, yet so many people still had hardened hearts. And so Jesus is basically saying that, that since their hearts are hardened, they are not open to the forgiveness that he's offering. And because of those hardened hearts, he's going to start teaching in a way that they are not going to be able to understand because of those hardened hearts. Well, the disciples hear Jesus talking in these parables, and, and they do want to understand. Like I said, their hearts were soft enough that they wanted to get it. And so they wanted to know what Jesus was talking about. And so here's the explanation for the first parable. Let's read it in verse 13. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Okay, it's a little hard on them, maybe a little frustrated, uh, but he keeps talking. So he says, okay, I'll tell you about this. Verse 14, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the, the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. Jesus says, okay, guys, um, this is what it means. The seed on the path, it's when people hear the word of God. They, they start getting interested in Jesus. It, it's starting to soak in a little bit, and Satan takes notice, and, and he doesn't like that. And, and uh, those people are kind of easy pickings. And what happens is he often comes in, he, he snatches the, the seed away before it even has a chance to take root. You know, you've seen people close to making a decision for Christ, and, and they just can't seem to pull the trigger, and, and something holding, is holding them back, and, and then they just kind of back off from where they were. For the seed on the rocky soil, somebody decides to, to be a Christ follower. Okay, it's a great thing, good stuff. And they're excited, but, but then it, it, it stops. And there's no further development of faith and after that initial decision to follow Jesus. 
You know, I think often the problem is that things don't all of a sudden become perfect, perfect when people become Christians. And they probably haven't prepared properly for, for what they encounter uh, once they, they become a follower of Jesus. And, and they just aren't equipped to handle it and, the, and they quickly fall away. We, we've all seen this happen and it's sad. It breaks our hearts. And that's why it is so important, first of all, that, that when we help bring someone to the Lord, that they know that life isn't going to all of a sudden be, be perfect. Okay, in fact, it'll probably get harder because Satan doesn't give up without a fight. And I would also say that th- this one speaks to the to more mature Christians as well. You know, we need to be there for the younger believers to help them when they're struggling and, and to help them grow their roots deeper. They are new. They don't know what they need to do. We need to, to help them grow their roots. It's called discipleship. And then the seed among thorns, the plants growing, things are going well. Life just gets in the way. Okay, the, the pursuit of money or the worries, the struggles of life, they just choke them out. Have any of, you, any of you ever had a garden that basically got taken over by the weeds? Okay, it's very easy for that to happen, and pretty quickly, if you don't keep pulling the weeds out. And I hate weeds, don't you? Man, the, the weeds will eventually cho- choke out the plants. Okay, that's what happens to so many Christians. Life can just choke Jesus out of our lives if we are not consistently and constantly weeding out the junk from our lives and here's what i I believe happens with a lot of people jesus becomes their savior but he never fully becomes their lord and and if jesus is only our savior it's really only about what we can get Okay, it's about what Jesus can do for me. But when Jesus truly becomes our Lord, I think we're giving everything over to him. We are giving our rights over to Jesus. We're saying it's not just about what I can get, it's about what I can give because if Jesus is our Lord, we want to give him everything. Our lives are completely turned over to him. The cross shouldn't just be about something that, that saves you and then you move on. It should dictate how you live your life. It changes who you are living for. If Jesus is your Savior and Lord, then you're truly counting the cost of what it means to follow Jesus. And if Jesus is only Savior, it it becomes much easier for a life to eventually choke out your faith. I hope that makes sense. And then there's the good soil. It's all about fruit. Okay, this is what you're saved for, to produce fruit, to, to multiply what you have been given by God, and, and, and fruit comes in a lot of different ways. Okay, It's not just how many people you've led to the Lord. There, there are a lot of different kinds of fruit, but somebody who has made Jesus their Savior and their Lord will produce fruit, plain and simple. It will happen. Okay, God will use you. So that's the parable of the sower. Good stuff. Let's go now to another parable about seeds. I'm going to call it the mystery of the growing seed. Verse 26, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Here's the thing. There is a mysterious element about our faith. 
that we can do everything we possibly can do to, to logically come to a conclusion about who Jesus is. But we still have to, by faith, come to the point of accepting Jesus. And when we are spreading the seeds of the gospel, there's only so much we can do personally. Okay, We get it out there. And sometimes, all of a sudden, those seeds sprout, and they're growing, and amazing things are happening in someone's life. Uh, but so much of it is out of our control. And sometimes we feel helpless. It's like, man, I'm trying. It, it's not up to us, the next part. Okay, God is working in that. Um, you know, I think it would be so hard to be a grain farmer who solely relies on their crops for a living because there are so many things that can go wrong so many things too much rain not enough rain a, a windstorm a, a hailstorm bugs get into it so many things out of your control last summer in iowa there was something called a derecho and it was an inland hurricane and it, and it destroyed a good percentage of the crops in iowa just blew them over flat sustained winds over a long period of time it was devastating to many farmers. The farmer does whatever he can. Okay, he plants the crop, he, he fertilizes it, he puts weed killer on it. Um, some places they have to water them. But then it's out of his hands. Okay, it, it's either going to grow or not. But when you see a full-grown field and everything worked the way it was supposed to, it's a pretty incredible thing to think that it just started from a, a seed in the ground. Did you know that, that a turnip seed under the right conditions early on can increase its weight 15,000 times in a day? Or how about the squash plant? A, a squash seed that is, is harnessed in just the right way uh, by day 18 can lift a 50-pound lever. And then by 19 more days, it has exerted a force of, of 5,000 pounds. Okay, so you can just see the, the force of God all, all through creation. It's a pretty amazing thing. The gospel message also contains power that is unexplainable. It's a power that comes only from God. It's a power that can transform lives, and, and really it takes the pressure off of us. We just have to spread the seed and do what we can to help it grow. The, the rest is up to God. We don't have to worry about that part. Here's the fourth parable. I'm going to call it the, the amazing mustard seed. Verse 30. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. Hey, the, the tiny little mustard seed, you can, you can pinch it between your fingers and, and it disappears. But once it takes root and grows, it, it's a huge plant. It can sometimes be taller than people. And, and I'm not a huge fan of mustard personally. Maybe you are. I'd, I'd take ketchup any day uh, over mustard. Um, actually, I'm, I'm really into A1 sauce these days. I use a lot of that. But, but I think this parable is, is simply pointing out that the, the kingdom of God is not only powerful, but it started out in a very small and simple way. And that's usually the way the gospel spreads. One person talking to one person, talking to one person. 
And some of the most famous Christians can trace their spiritual heritage back to a, a very simple beginning of somebody sharing Christ with somebody else. And it, and it might have come through their parents or through their grandparents or, or their great-grandparents. But somewhere along the line, a mustard seed was planted and then it grew. Uh, you probably have a story, a lot of you, about that kind of thing. You know, there's some ingredients that just by adding a little bit, it can change the, the whole taste of a recipe. Just a little bit of vanilla is all you need. It, it changes the whole flavor of a recipe. Um, sometimes it just takes a little bit. Sometimes you might feel that you might not feel like you're making any difference in helping the kingdom of God grow, but I would just encourage you to just keep planting the, the love of Jesus in other people's lives a little bit at a time. And one day it just might spread into a just huge, amazing thing. You know, look at Christianity in general. It started in a very small and humble way. You know, Jesus was starting something that, that would change the world. And that, that's what he's talking about here. It just started as a small mustard seed, and, and it changed the world very quickly after Jesus was gone. You know, those original seeds planted by Jesus sprouted and grew and grew and grew, and now the kingdom of God has millions and millions and millions of people in it. It's an amazing thing. So the parables of Jesus, they aren't just cute little stories. Okay? They aren't cheesy sermon illustrations. Okay? I have a lot of those over the years. They're meant to help those who truly want to go deeper and truly want to understand. Okay? That was that way then, it's still that way now. So there's one more little section in this chapter. It's really important, I think. So, so stay with me. Um, it's not a parable. It's Mark describing a scene okay so mark creates a a vivid picture for us to imagine uh, i'm just going to call it the storm okay so it's in verse 35 that day when evening came he said to his disciples let us go over to the other side leaving the crowd behind they took him along just as he was in the boat there were, were also other boats with him a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Amazing story. But you know what? As we, as we go back in Jewish history, there's another story about a storm that came up when it was, a, it was actually uh, a story of somebody rebelling against God. They were going, God said, go this way. Uh, I want to go the other way. Who might that be? Any guesses? Remember Jonah? Okay, God was upset with Jonah. That caused the storm. And it didn't calm down until after they threw Jonah overboard. Do you remember that? Do you think it's possible that the story of Jonah was crossing the, the minds of the disciples? You know, was God doing the same thing to Jesus that he did to Jonah? You know, the re religious leaders had accused Jesus of, of being from Satan. You know, what if he really was? What if God was upset with Jesus and caused this storm? What if he was actually rebelling from God and they needed to throw him into the sea? 
You know, a lot of things can go through your mind when you're facing death. But then Jesus does the craziest thing. He speaks to the storm like it's a person. He tells it to be quiet and to be still. The the word literally means to, to be muzzled. He muzzles the storm. Are you kidding me? Hey, who does that? And the disciples see this, and it's a whole new level of amazement for him. And they ask the question in amazement, uh, who is this man? He can even talk to the wind and the waves. Only God can do this kind of stuff. And if only God could do this kind of stuff, then that would mean they were in the presence of God. Ding, ding, ding. Remember Mark 1.1. 1, 1. We keep referring back to it. At the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. That's what Mark is trying to show us. Jesus was no ordinary man. And Jesus says, come on, guys. You still don't get it, do you? You still don't have faith in who I am. But just think about how this affected them later. He says, guys, you don't have to be afraid any longer. I am with you. I will take care of you. And so, friends, let let me ask you today, who do you say Jesus is? Is Jesus just a, a nice little safe friend that you have and, and you can kind of keep him tucked away in your pocket and, until you need him and you pull him out when it's convenient? Is he kind of a watered-down type Jesus? Is he a, a comfortable Jesus? Or is Jesus just your Savior? Or is he your Savior and your Lord? Okay, that's what I talked about earlier. Is he just your Savior, or is he your Savior and your Lord? Now, have you ever considered this? If Jesus could calm this storm, he also could have kept it from happening in the first place. But he didn't. And and the faith of the disciples grew through this. Okay, they weren't excited about the storm when they were in the middle of it. Okay, they thought they're going to die. But God doesn't keep every storm out of our lives either. I'm sure that some of you are going through some major storms right now. But I want you to know that if you cling to Jesus through your storms, you are going to grow in your faith. None of us enjoy the storms. We don't pray for them to happen. At least I don't. But when you look back on storms and you see how God helped you through those storms, it increases your faith, it strengthens you, and you can in turn strengthen others. I believe that one of the biggest purposes of storms in our lives is is to help draw us closer to Jesus. And that's what we're trying to do. That's what Mark's trying to do, and that's a good thing. And ultimately, no storm is bigger than heaven. Okay, for the follower of Jesus, the, the road ends in heaven at some point. Every one of us. So even a storm that might end this life is really just the beginning of something way better. The disciples were seeking to to know who Jesus truly was. And I can relate to their struggles, to to grasp everything. I I would have been right there with them. But as we continue to work our way through Mark and and try to gain a better understanding of of who Jesus is, uh, then I pray that things in our lives that, that, that really aren't that important will begin to be pushed back and the things of God We'll, we'll just come to the front. Friends, you have so much to live for when you live a life that is fully surrendered to Jesus. And so let me close with the question one more time. 
Who is Jesus to you? And I hope that every single one of us can say, he, He's my Savior and my Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as, as we look back on the stories about Jesus and, and we look at these, these things called parables and, and sometimes we look at them and maybe they're confusing, they're hard to understand. But I, I pray that it, as we uh, seek to learn about you, that our hearts will be soft and moldable and, and just to be open to what you want to teach us. And if we begin to kind of close things off and, and, and think, oh, I, I don't have anything to learn, uh, I'm not open to that, I pray that you will help us to, to open our hearts back up. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to, to do our part in, in helping to, to spread the seed of the gospel. And then, then we can step back and see you do your amazing work. Thank you for your love for us, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So thanks again for, for joining us. And I would encourage you to, to read and study Mark chapter 4 uh, on your own this week. You may want to go ahead and, and read Mark 5 for next week. Uh, but don't hide those lights this week. Okay, let them shine brightly. We don't want to light them and then put a bowl on them. We want to let them shine. Have a great week.